Today what I want to do is really focus in on the here and now. Because I think there's something that the Holy Spirit wants to say to us that really will stir up in us a revelation of truth which might serve us well in 2023. Now, many of you are familiar with a practice that a lot of organizations and leaders, churches and teams will do at the beginning of a year. They will brand a year like the year of so that there's an aiming point. Uh, there's a way for the year to be dedicated and people can anticipate and look for God to do some things during that year that fit the word. So sometimes you'll hear things like, this is the year of destiny. It's the year of blessing. This is the year of multiplication. You know, you, you get the idea. Now, for several years, I had a practice as a senior pastor that I would, I would go off by myself towards the end of the year and really seek the Lord and ask him to give us a guiding word for the year. And um, over the years, I've just kind of abandoned that process. I don't know why, no particular reason, but I just kind of stopped doing it, which I'm kind of glad back in 2020 that I didn't do that because who would have thunk it, right? You proclaim, this is the year of favor, and then, you know, that happens. <laughs> now, today I'm not rebooting that practice of having a word for the year, but I, I am wanting to share with you something that I think the Spirit is stirring that could have some seasonal significance to it. It might not be, you know, the word for the year, but I think this could be a word for you this year. Now, as you are getting ready to receive that, let me say to you, today will be a little bit different. Uh, normally, our teaching and preaching practice is we'll, we'll go to a verse of Scripture in the Bible and we'll deep dive and we'll scrub that text for truth that we can apply to our life. But today's going to be a little bit more like what some people would call a topical sermon, where there's a lot of different scriptures that will speak into the subject matter that I have on my heart today. So today we're going to explore this. We're going to talk about this. Listen to it. We're going to learn about following God in a fog. Following God in a fog. Have you ever heard these song lyrics before? It goes like this. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. You know that song? I can see clearly. You know that song, right? And it, it follows up by saying, I, I can see all the obstacles that are in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that blinded me. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. Now, it's great Whenever life turns in that direction and we have clarity and we can see where we are going with life, that is a true blessing. But listen, sometimes we find ourselves in a fog where things aren't clear and the road ahead seems uncertain. Fog. Now, in natural terms... A fog is an atmospheric condition where water is condensed down to tiny, tiny, tiny droplets that go airborne and it hangs in the air. We've seen fog before. Now, where we live, it's pretty dry. We don't get a lot of fog, but it will happen occasionally. But you know what I'm talking about. You've seen fog. Now, 
Technically, fog, vapor, water vapor is invisible. However, those little water droplets will reflect light, which makes it visible. Also, particles of dust can bond with those water particles. And so we can see a, a fog and it looks like a cloud to us. In fact, National Geographic's website refers to a fog this way as a cloud that touches the ground. So fog, as we think of it, is this thick cloud that forms on the ground that makes it difficult for us to be able to see through it or see beyond it. It makes you know, visibility virtually impossible. Now take that natural phenomenon and think of it in terms of a metaphor. There are moments in life that we could describe as being like a fog. For example, man, there are just times when things are uncertain to us. Well, we don't know how this situation is going to work out. It's a fog. Or a fog fittingly describes life situations that sometimes are vague and unclear. We can feel like we are in a fog when we get filled with doubt and there's a sense of hopelessness that overtakes us. Like fog can be a description of times when we are depressed or we experience loss. The loss of a job, the loss of a marriage, the loss of a loved one can make us feel immobilized for a period of time like we are surrounded by a fog with no sense of direction. A fog can be a time of disappointment. It's interesting. The Bible refers to certain people and situations in a way that calls it a, a disappointment. They're like a fog. They're like a mist with no hydration. They promise things, but they come up short. Disappointment. Worry can also be a fog. There are those, those times when we just are just overrun with worry, and it's a, it's a thick, dense fog. Now listen to me. Thanks be to God that we have clear days. Thank God there are sunny days. But listen, nobody gets 365 days of sunshine. There are going to be foggy moments in life. You're going to have foggy days and foggy nights. I was uh, reading online a, uh, a blog, someone kind of sharing some of their thoughts and experiences in life, and one of them talked about a fog. Maybe this sounds familiar to you. He says, a few months ago, I was driving home late one night. It was foggy and late, really foggy and really late, which isn't a great combination. I could see about 10 feet in front of my car. I was truly afraid that I would not be able to see in time something ahead of me and I would hit it. While I was driving in this dense fog, I realized this is how I felt about my life at the time. I'm in a fog. I'm starting a new job in a new city. I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. 
I was anxious my wife would not find friends or feel at home in this new place. I was concerned how the move was going to impact my children. This was a foggy time in my life. I could not see far enough down the road to see how these things would turn out. Now, I could imagine it. I could hope for good things. But truthfully, I can't see what's in front of me. As I thought about driving in that fog and living in a fog, I considered I had three options. I can stop, wait it out, maybe try to find another less foggy route. Two, I can stress out, working myself up over what I can't see. Or three, I guess I can trust God, relying on what he knows, what he sees, and where he directs in the fog. We are going to have foggy moments in life. And when those happen, I want to encourage you to be determined that you will follow God in a fog. Now, I want you to look at what a scripture says. This is from 1 Corinthians 13 out of the Message Bible's translation. Here's what it says. We don't see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through the mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it as clearly as God sees us. Look at that. God sees you in a fog. The fog doesn't diminish his vision. He sees you. He sees everything that's happening in and around you. The hope is, man, I'll be able to see as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, the apostle Paul is confronting this elitist attitude that had developed among certain Christians in Corinth that started from the, the, the spiritual practice of specific gifts that enabled people to see things that they couldn't see on their own. There were certain spiritual giftings, tongues, prophecy, Words of knowledge, all of those were divine gifts that enabled people to see what they normally could not see themselves. And so what began to happen is the church started to prioritize and prefer those people who had this spiritual insight. And the people who had that insight started to puff up with pride. And so Paul writes to confront them. Chapter 13 is sometimes called the love chapter. And in the love chapter, he confronts their arrogance of seeing, but without the more noble expressions of faith expressed in love. We could detail what happens in 1 Corinthians 13 this way. What we know or what we see isn't as important as what we do. Now, in making that point, 
Paul uses this example that we can't see clearly and that we have to squint to see things. There are people who are spiritually gifted to see certain things, but all of us, it doesn't matter whether you're gifted or not, all of us have to learn how to follow God in a fog because times in your life are going to be foggy. You're going to walk through days that are vague and unclear. You're going to have seasons of doubt. You're going to experience loss. You're going to get depressed. You're going to have worry. These fogs are a fact, and you've got to learn how to follow God through them. Now, let me tip my hand of where we're going with this message. Here's where we're going to land today. I want to tell you early. This is where we're going to land. If you're looking beyond God for a way out of your fog, you are looking in the wrong direction. I, I want to say to you, because many people in this room joining us online, you, you need to hear this. Listen, another drink won't get you out of the fog. Another affair is not going to get you through your fog. Another look at porn is not going to get you through the fog. Another big purchase is not what you need to get through the fog. John 14, 6 says this, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now that certainly applies to salvation. Jesus is the way of salvation. But it also makes sense that he is the way through the fog's of life, the Holy Spirit, listen, living within you as a believer and follower of Jesus will keep you focused on the fact that Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. That means that Jesus got you started in this life of faith, but he is committed to see you through, and that includes moments when you are going through a foggy season in life. Jesus is the way. Now, what I want to do in the next few moments is I want to invest something in you. I want to sow something into you. I want to put a seed. I want to put the word in you. You may not be in a fog right now, but you're going to be. And I want you to drop this word, this seed into your heart. Bury it deep. Let the Holy Spirit water it and fertilize it because there's a time coming. You need to reap that word. And so today I want to give you a, two things that will help you follow God in your next foggy moment. The first one is this, is to know God is in the fog. Look at that. God is in the fog. A few years ago, there was a movie that came out about the life and work of a primatologist by the name of Diane Fossey. It was called Gorillas in the Mist. Anybody remember that? Gorillas in the Mist. I don't know a lot about apes. Maybe they live in the mist. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But here's what I know. God is in the mist. God is in the fog. He's not afraid of your fog. Your fog and all of its effects don't put him off. In fact, listen to this. God is so comfortable in the fog that sometimes he characterized his presence with a fog. When it came time to lead the children of Israel out of their Egyptian captivity, 
Exodus 13, 21 says God guided them, look at this, during the day with a pillar of cloud. That's not a cloud in the sky. That's a cloud on the ground. Have you ever seen like fog moving, like a fog bank moving? If you've ever been to San Francisco, you've seen a fog bank rolling in. God led them with a fog. Now, rabbis, to get their mind around that, coined a term to describe the mysterious, luminescent presence of God in a mist. They called it Shekinah. Shekinah. That describes the glorious presence of God in a cloud. When Solomon dedicated the temple, the Lord's presence showed up in a thick haze. We read this in 1 Kings Chapter 8, when the priest came out of the holy place, look at this. A thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Jesus was on a mountaintop and had an experience we call the transfiguration. That's where his divine part was shining through his human part and his skin literally began to glow. As Jesus was transfigured, we read this, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud, this is a cloud on the ground, a voice coming from the fog says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The Shekinah glory of God, his glorious presence in a fog. Remember this, God's not intimidated by your fog. God's not put out by your foggy moments. He's not confounded by your fog. God is with you in the mist. And the next time you find yourself in a cloudy, foggy place, here's a great promise to hold on to. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. It says, when you go through deep waters, and we could say those are waters that are droplets that are in the air. That's like a, a thick haze, a thick fog. When you go through deep waters, look at this. What does it say? I will be with you. I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Well, why is that? Because God is with you in the fog. And he's protecting you because God is in the mist. And here's something great about God's presence in the mist is God can help people find him in the fog. I've known people who have been driven to their knees by foggy moments, times of worry, times of doubt, times of disappointment, times of depression. They've been driven to their knees and on their knees, 
they find God. Testimony after testimony after testimony of people who grew up in church. They went to youth camp. They have all kinds of spiritual experiences around them. Faith just never rooted in their heart until they went through a fog. God is in the fog with you. He can help you find him in the fog and catch this. Other people, other people, can even find God by seeing him in your fog. Seeing him in your fog. That's right. Some of, the, some of the fogs you go through in life, they're not about you. It's not about you. But it's about the opportunity that someone has around you who's watching what you go through to find The Lord, Acts chapter 13, the apostle Paul is confronting a sorcerer, somebody who dabbles in the occult. He says to them, the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you and you'll be struck blind. You'll not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, look at that, instantly, what? Mist and darkness came over the man's eyes. He began groping around begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Verse 12, when the governor saw what happened, he became a believer. In the next fog, listen, remind yourself that God is in the mist and other people might just find the Lord in your fog. He's in the fog. But here's the second thing I want you to remember. And that is God is over the fog. He's not only in it, he's over it. What does that mean? It means he's sovereign. He is in control. He sees what we cannot see in the fog, and he can see beyond the fog. Pastor Chuck Swindoll, many of you know that name. He's an author. He's a radio speaker makes this observation about God being over the fog. He says, you and I, you and I are locked in a tiny space, the fog of the present. Because our perspective is based on this moment in which we find ourselves, we speak, and since our viewpoint is absolute, this is the way things are. But for God, it's not like that. As a matter of fact, he lives and moves above the fog. In his time and in his way, he sovereignly accomplishes what he wills in the fog. And when he decides and when he pleases, he lifts the fog. Let me remind you of this fact. No fog is forever because God is over the fog. There's several places in the scripture where the Bible reminds us that life is as fragile as a fog. Here today, gone tomorrow. The book of James even tells us that our days can be like a mist that appears for a while and then it vanishes. So no matter what kind of fog hangs over us, here's the truth that transforms. God is over the fog. A season of depression can last a long time. Times of uncertainty can go on for days, but it won't be forever 
Because God is over the fog. He may be invisible, hard to see in the fog, but he is invincible. He's over the fog. No fog has authority over him. With one stroke of his hand, the mist can lift and what hangs over you can be gone and we can see what God could see the whole time. 2019, I took my wife to Montana because I was in Montana the summer before we met and married, and there were some phenomenal things that just happened as a result of me living in that place, and it was, it's dear to me, and there's, there's wonderful things that were stirred in my soul at that time, and so I couldn't wait, couldn't wait to take her to some of the places that God really spoke and kind of formed my ministry heart. And so we went to Glacier National Park. Now, sadly, on the day that we were there, it was foggy. Here's a couple of pictures. Fog bank rolled in. Fog just kind of hiding the landscape. This is my wife asking the question, what am I looking at? What are we doing here? Why was this so important to you? And I thought to myself, I wish so much that I could just wipe away the fog so that you could see what's really there. Like it's just outside of your view. Like the fog is hiding this reality. If you could just see this, it's there. But the fog is hiding it. Isn't it it remarkable how something as fragile and thin as a mist can, can hide us from what's really there? One theologian made this observation. He said, the fog is the gray zone between what is real now and what will be real soon. The silver lining is that a fog seems to proceed a great revelation or a moment of transformation. Look at that. It's oftentimes that a fog is right before a great revelation or a great moment of transformation. So in the fog, our faith is being tested. Hebrews 11 reminds us, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Look at this. The evidence of things not seen. Therefore, the fogs of life can and should produce deeper faith in us. Can I remind you, the God who is with you on the clear days is the same God who is with you at the foggiest times of your life. God is with you. Don't lose sight of the importance of trusting in the fog. God is in the mist. He's in the fog, but he's also over the fog. And some of his greatest work of transformation in us may happen in the fog. He may be strengthening you in the fog. He may be leading you where you are tested and stretched by the fog. But in the end, he will reward your faith 
richly. Let's not curse what just might be the greatest blessing of our life. A fog. Let me say to you again, if you're looking beyond God for a way out of the fog, you're looking in the wrong direction. Jesus is the way. The Holy Spirit will be your guide. Christ is the author and finisher of your faith. Keep following God through the fog. Stand with me. No fog rivals God's authority. He's in it, but he's also over it. And the greatest, listen, the greatest burden of a fog ever faced in life is the reality of our sin. But God even dealt with that. Look at this passage, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 22. Look what it says. I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I've scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me. Look at that. Oh, return to me. For I have paid the price to set you free. Sometimes what a fog will do is it'll cause us to drift. We'll drift away from the Lord. We'll allow the difficulties and the challenges and the hardness to harden our heart. And we'll, we'll step away from the Lord. We'll walk away from the Lord. But I want you to listen the Holy Spirit's voice active in this space to say to you, return to me. Return to me. Let, let the fog of this life draw you back to the Lord, not drive you away from him. Some of you have never come to the place where you've even opened your heart to Jesus and received him as your Lord and Savior. That's what a fog will do. It'll take you to your knees. And it'll bring a clarity about your soul. Jesus said you can gain the whole world, but if you lose your soul, what have you profited? There's something clarifying about a fog where you realize you need Jesus in your life. And it's as simple right there where you are. It's as simple as turning your head to heaven and just asking God to save you. Jesus paid your sins penalty on the cross. He was raised from the dead as evidence God really has forgiven you. God really offers you a new life. All you've got to do is receive it. Say, Jesus, come into my heart and life. I won't live without you anymore. I want you to save me. I want you to change me. I want you to give me a home in heaven. He'll do that. He is faithful because he's a God who'll be with you in the mist. And he's a God who's over it.